You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode 129 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Nobody No One. Formed in 2019, Nobody No One is a post-hardcore band from Rochester, New York. Drawing influence from bands such as Under Oath, Thrice, He Is Legend, and Every Time I Die, they combined chaotic, heavy elements with melody and odd time signatures. Nobody No One's debut self-titled EP was just released on October 16th. Make sure to check it out. For more information on Nobody No One, you can find them on all of the streaming platforms as well as Facebook and Instagram at Nobody No One Band. Now here it is, their new single, Get Light.
friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey, this is Luke from The Dirty Nail, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour. Hey everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? As always, this is Chris Swinney, and I am your host for that one time on tour. If you are joining me for the first time, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a stellar conversation. I hope you all are doing well and staying safe and healthy. There is a global pandemic. If you did not know, I'm sure that you've heard of it. It's happening. Uh, I live here in Indiana in the middle of the country in the good old Hoosier state. And we have once again, yesterday, we reached our daily record for COVID cases with 3,800 plus cases just yesterday, man. Uh, There's supposedly uh, a leaked memo circulating on Twitter from our newly reelected governor saying that we are going to go back into a hard lockdown soon. They're going to roll back the stages to like stage one. I think we're currently in stage five, whatever that means. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens. It's scary. Like you don't really know what's going to happen. Nobody, you know, everybody's preoccupied with the election, which uh, is going on right now and might be going on for the next two months. Who knows? (laughs) But uh, yeah, nobody's really given you any information. So I guess we will just see what happens. And uh, I hope we don't go back into lockdown because I've really enjoyed, you know, working and everything again. But uh, we'll see if that's what we need to do. We'll do it. We'll be on lockdown here at Swinney headquarters and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, thanks to everybody for emailing, calling, sending me DMs and everything. I asked you a while back how you were staying sane during the pandemic. And I got a lot of responses. You guys are letting me know like things you're doing to take up your time, uh, healthy things and some things that maybe aren't so healthy. But uh, yeah, it's it's nice to know that I'm not alone. Sometimes I just, it feels like Groundhog Day, you know? And I don't know, I, like you guys know if you listen to the show on a regular basis, I have toddlers. 
And uh, sometimes that's get, that gets a little intense. You've been stuck in the house for a couple months with uh, with toddlers. But uh, yes, I'm glad that you're all doing well out there. A lot of people hit me up and uh, gave me some good ideas to stay sane during the pandemic. So uh, I'm going to do that. So thank you guys very much. Today on the program, it's a good one. I always say that, but it always is a good one. I got to sit down and have a chat with Luke Bentham vocalist and guitarist for the awesome band the dirty nil i love the dirty nil such a great band Uh, they combine so many elements into their music like metal and pop and punk and alternative everything and it's uh and it all works together it's it's kind of a weird thing you wouldn't think that all of that would work but it does and you know they could tour with blink 182 weezer slayer metallica and it would work they they kind of just encapsulate a lot of different things that I love about rock music in one band. So uh, they have a new album entitled, get ready for this, Fuck Art. And there's a great story about why it's called Fuck Art on the podcast today. Luke tells me the story. Uh, But it's coming out on New Year's Day, and it is awesome. I love it so much. Uh, It was great talking to Luke and kind of finding out that we share a lot of mutual friends Uh, The Dirty Nail resides in the Hamilton-Dundas area of Ontario, Canada. It it used to kind of like be a home to me, like a second home. I've spoken at length on this podcast about my love of Canada. I used to tour there quite often. I have so many friends up there. I just, I feel like an honorary Canadian. Uh, Before the keto diet, my favorite food was poutine. So I'm I love Canada. I I talk about it all the time. But a shout out to all my Canadian friends and listeners. We have a huge listener base in Canada and it, it, it makes me happy. You know, our merch companies in Canada, like Canada is connected to this podcast. So it was really cool to have one of my favorite Canadians band, Canadian bands on the show today. So before I get into my conversation with Luke from the Dirty Nil, I need to pay some bills like I always do. Awesome sponsor at the beginning of the episode. <clears throat> excuse me. Nobody Know One out of Rochester, New York. Thank you guys so much for sponsoring. I really dig the song that you guys sent me. And if you guys liked Nobody Know One and you want to check them out, they're on all the socials at Nobody Know One Band, and they're also on all the streaming platforms. So go support them. They're hard workers. They're a great band, and you should, you should you know, throw them, throw them some support. Take care of them. Uh, last but not least, I've got partscasterconcierge.com. I talk about them every week. My buddy Gary, he consults on guitars. He builds guitars. He builds pedals. He does all kinds of cool stuff. Head on over to partscasterconcierge.com. He has an amazing new guitar that he built that he's got up for sale, and it is worth every penny. You guys need to check it out. Partscasterconcierge.com. If you have a band or a company and you would like to sponsor an episode of that one time on tour, it's super easy. You can hit me up, tototpodcast at gmail.com or at tototpodcast on all of the socials. Uh, If you want to support the podcast on a financial level, you can go on over to our Patreon. It is patreon.com forward slash tototpodcast. We did get a new patron this week. So give it up for Andrew Ziola. Uh, He did not put his address, so I don't know where Andrew is from. But Andrew, thank you so much for becoming a patron. I really, really appreciate it. If you're not into the Patreon thing, hey, I get it. That's cool. And you still want to help, though. 
You can hit up my Venmo. It is at Christopher Swinney. That is C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. Like I say every week, the most cost-effective and free way to support your favorite podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. You know, on Apple, there is the subscribe and the review thing, and you can rate it five stars. On Spotify, there's a follow button. There's there's always something you can do to help out the podcast. That gets us in front of more people, and it's just a really nice thing to do, and I would appreciate it if you guys would do that. So uh, shout out to our art director, Sarah, over at Road Dog Supply. We have new merchandise. Uh, it's it's actually selling. <laughs> I appreciate everybody out there buying it. I, some guy the other day bought like three shirts. He got like every color that you could get. So uh, I really appreciate that. We have new stuff coming out too. We're putting basically any amount of money that we have actually made profit on any of this stuff. We're putting it right back into more merchandise. We're getting sticker packs, buttons, uh, can koozies, whatever. We're getting all kinds of stuff and uh, we're just going to put it back up in the store and you guys can get at it. It's really cool. We have some new logo, like, well, not a new logo. We have our lo- our old logo, our really OG logo. We have uh, some new designs that are going to be on shirts and all kinds of stuff. It's just, it's awesome. And I really appreciate anybody out there that has taken the time to order anything. It really helps out. And I'm not trying to make like a lot of money. I'm just trying to make cool stuff that has the podcast on it because that makes me feel good. It's like I'm in a band again, you know, that's how it goes. So uh, shout out to Sarah. And if you're interested in the new merchandise or anything like that, you can head on over to TOTOTpodcast.com and check everything out. Also, please, if you're on Facebook, sign up for the TOTOT community Facebook group and we have a mailing list, which is on our Facebook page as well as TOTOTpodcast.com. Sign up. You can get information and contests and all kinds of cool stuff. So that is it for the little intro. We do have a radio segment today, so cue the theme music. Radio, radio, radio. On this edition of TOTOT Radio, uh, it's going to be self-serving. The last couple have been kind of self-serving, but uh, in my spare time, I've been trying to diversify, trying to find new, like you know, revenue streams uh, because I'm a hustler. You know, I I teach guitar full time, or at least I did. It's kind of part time now due to the pandemic. But um, I I've always done a lot of different jobs. You know, when you're in a band and you're touring and you're not making millions of dollars, you got to figure out how to pay your bills. And, uh, I, I do a lot of side work. I I work on people's podcasts. I I do a lot of stuff. I mix stuff. I I do all kinds of stuff. Well, I've found out that I'm, I'm pretty good at mastering. At least I think I'm pretty good at mastering. I've now mastered a couple projects for bands and I've been very, very happy with the results. And, uh, yeah, I'm offering mastering services now. And I really enjoy helping people like complete their music projects. The the most recent project that I've worked on is the new single, As I Recall, from the awesome California band, Not It. 
Um, I really dig this band and I can't wait because very soon I'm going to be mastering the rest of their upcoming release. Uh, I was only able to get the one song now because they're, they're still mixing the rest of the record. But uh, yeah, this is a great band. Like I said, they're called Not It. They're from California. And I was really, really happy with how this song came out, the mastering side of it. And uh, if your band needs something mastered, hit me up. We'll figure it out. I work with all budgets. I really just enjoy the mastering process. I like taking a finished mix and seeing kind of if I can make it shine a little bit more. You know, it's it's kind of a lot of fun. I never really knew that I was good at it. And I feel like I'm getting pretty good at it. <laughs> good enough to charge people for it. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you can really tell on your phone speaker with with this song, but I'm going to play the new song by Not It. It's called As I Recall that I just mastered here recently. And it's also on all the streaming sites. If you guys want to check it out, maybe on better speakers, you can go to Spotify or Apple or whatever. But uh, yeah, this is Not It with As I Recall, mastered by yours truly. And if you would like me to work on your project, hit me up. the new single by not it as i recall uh just to reiterate i mastered that single and i'm going to be mastering the rest of their record as well if you guys are interested in having me work on your project just hit me up totot podcast at gmail.com or at totot podcast on all of the socials but uh that's it for all the self-serving we're going to get right into my conversation right now this is why you guys came this is my chat with Luke Bentham of The Dirty Nail. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Luke Bentham from The Dirty Nail. Luke, how are you doing today, my man? I'm excellent. It's another uh, it's another wonderful day in uh, the blessed year of 2020. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. I don't know if you know this or not, but I think we have a lot of mutual friends. I think we do, yeah. I... I um... Um, I, I, I don't know specific ones, but I'm, I'm guessing that, uh, we've probably, um, I don't know. Do you know the guys from against me? And, uh, I, I do, but I'm talking a little bit more local. I've spent a lot of time in Dundas and in Hamilton. I, oh, wow. used, I used to tour manage the reason. 
Oh, yeah. Well, we know those guys very well. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to get them on the show for two years, and they're like my buddies, and they keep saying no. So. <laughs> I'll put in a good word. Put in a good word. But yeah, I just think it was like, I've always heard of your band and I've been a casual listener. Uh, your publicist sent me the new record and I got to say, man, it's it blew me away. Part oh, of thanks. part of what it is for, I mean, I always knew about you guys. I know Joel over at Dine Alone. I know you guys work with them. And just hearing this new record, I love how you guys kind of wear your influences on your sleeve. Like you can tell there's pop sensibilities and there's metal and there's, there's like punk rock and there's all this stuff. Was that always something from the beginning you wanted to do? Cause I mean, you guys could basically play with any band in my CD case. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, that's a high, a very high compliment that I accept graciously. Thank you. But um, you know, I think at the beginning we were definitely just trying to figure out what we liked and we were kind of just learning how to play our instruments together because the reason why the band started was because uh, Kyle and I, the drummer, uh, were so bad at our respective instruments that no one else would play with us. So we just decided to start our own band um, and just learn how to play music and learn how to make songs that way. Uh, and so, you know, it's just a certainly for a few years, it was definitely just an exploration. But I think in the last five years or so that we've really... Um, adopted uh, an anything goes type policy when it comes to what we make and you know we listen to a ton of different music and um like like most people and uh we just don't really feel restrained by any kind of um that's not a, that couldn't be a nail song or that's not a, like you know there's no there there are no rules with 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 our band it's it's whatever feels right and hopefully whatever kind of gets a laugh in the jam space if we do something that if that that that's humorous then we know we're on to something and um so we definitely like to play with um you know hardcore but also like we we, we can drop in a breakdown or a you know, a chromag, a little chromag <laughs> segment or a ride the lightning segment in between, you know, uh, whatever the cure or even sugar Ray. It's, it's nothing, nothing's, nothing's off the table. We, we definitely have uh, a somewhat mean spirited, but also sincere appreciation for all trash music and all good music. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Chris breaking into the action to tell you about a brand new sponsor for the podcast, Spam. Not Spam, Spam. What is Spam, you say? Is it music? Is it art? A label? A poster? Or a festival? Spam combines all of this and so much more. S-B-A-M. Four letters in punk rock to watch out for. There is hardly any band or artist in the punk rock world that has not worked with Spam before. For the latest news, records, art, or to check out their iconic music festival, please visit www.sbam.rocks. That is www.sbam.rocks. You were just talking about how, you know, you guys weren't good enough to play with other people. So you just formed your own band. The thing, like I'm a guitar player. I've been playing my whole life. I went to college for music theory. I actually teach guitar for a living. Now, when I watch you guys play, I I think that you guys, this might just be my opinion, 
but you're way more proficient at your instruments than maybe some of your peers. I, I don't know if you, you know, can accept that or not, but when I watch you guys play and that's where that metal stuff kind of just flawlessly comes into the pop stuff. And what, what was like the catalyst for you getting better? Cause you talked about you guys weren't good at first. Was it just, I mean, have you learned your scales? Did you go over like different polyrhythms? Like how did you guys kind of get to the place you're at now with your instruments? Well, again, thank you. I appreciate that compliment. I think that one of the thing, one of the things for me personally that made me really realize that I needed to get better was when we went to go make our first recording and we had to do double tracking and I didn't know what that was. And I realized that I couldn't play the same thing twice ever. And so I became very hyper-focused on, um, trying to figure out uh, for 99, 95% of our material exactly what I'm going to be doing at all times and not really deviating from that. I'm not really into improvisation that much. I, you know, when, when I do a guitar solo or something, it's something I've worked on for weeks, just kind of, you know, and eh, I kind of like this. I don't know. I, I really don't know any theory that well. Um, it's not, and, and I don't wear as like a, that as a badge of ignorance. It's just, it's just something that I haven't really got into. I'm sure at some point I'll probably continue learning about it. I've kind of inadvertently, inadvertently picked things up in that world, but I think, um, overall, you know, just really, really, uh, you know, a ton and a ton of touring and, a lot of one of the things that I think has led to big breakthroughs for us creatively is just covering lots of different songs. You know, like we learned how to play "Hit the Lights" by Metallica, which took us, you know, a year to learn how to play it. Like we, we, it took us a year of playing it every day and playing it really slow, and you know, getting in the groove and like learning how to play that fast with that picking stuff. And then we would kind of switch. Uh, and then play an old Tom Petty song and try and see if we can figure out those kind of jangly chords. And so that kind of, um, we're just huge rock and roll fans of all kinds from, from thrash to the Beatles. So just trying to learn all those little tricks. I'm a huge, the who fan. Uh, so, and Pete Townsend was able to turn around on a dime. So, so dramatically from these really delicate little passages to, you know, the most rude, thunderous, uh, guitar stomping moves that I've ever heard. So that was definitely a huge inspiration on me personally. And, uh, yeah, I think one of the things that really makes us kind of continue to reach to new areas together, uh, musically is our love of, uh, of just of so many different bands and artists and challenging ourselves by trying to learn, um, like try and take a, uh, a Merle Haggard song and say, well, what could we do with this? And well, how could we approach this and do it in a way that would make the, that would be fun for us. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just a ton and a ton of playing, just playing and playing and playing and playing and playing that I think is um, uh, really uh, elevated uh, our abilities uh, to where they are as uh, where, wherever that is. But um, yeah, when it comes to actually making, musical passages and stuff. I'm definitely, I, I, I really spend a lot of time working personally on my contributions just so that I, I feel really good about it, that I've done something that I can, I can laugh about. Like if I can do a guitar, a heroic guitar thing that makes me smile because it's so stupid and outlandish <laughs> and kind of like Van Halen, then I'm, I'm happy. You know, that's, it's, it's all trying to make a, a feeling of like, this is fucking hilarious. You know, that's, that's, I think uh, a, hu a humorous approach to the whole thing. Is, is key for us. 
Now, a lot of bands that I, that I'm friends with that are kind of the power trio type deal, like you guys, eventually maybe they'll add another guitarist, even if it's just a touring session guy. Have you guys, you know, there's more than one guitar track on the record. So have you ever thought about expanding or do you like the kind of trio thing? You know, we, we, before we did master volume, our last record, we, we kind of thought about maybe employing somebody for, uh, you know, a touring purpose, but when it comes to the orchestration and arrangement of the songs, we try and arrange things so that, um, there it's, you know, we do do a couple of the guitar tracks while we were recording, but it's not like we'll do a rhythm track and then be like, well, I'll think of a solo to do over that. It's like, if there's a guitar solo part, it's just the bass and the guitar happening together. And I think of bands like Pantera really inspired that for us and hearing that kind of sound where there's not really, um, a, a, it doesn't sound like a bunch of different musicians playing. You know, we, we definitely sprinkle a little bit of uh, studio uh, fairy dust on things to, to thicken it out a little bit. But I mean, our all of our effort goes into an arrangement to make sure that it sounds really full with the three of us and that we're not dependent on beefing things up to make something sound like what it's not in the studio. Um, we've toyed with the idea, but, um, so far, I mean, I'm just not, I don't know how well I could, uh, I've played together with other guitar players and other bands and it's been really fun, but, um, maybe the day would come if we were playing in a really big space, um, and we needed some more stage coverage, but, um, currently it's not really on the docket. I think that we, uh, we're really, um, tight as a band and how we kind of approach our arrangements and, um, but you know, it's, it's not something that would forever be off the table in terms of a live presentation thing. So, you know, like I told you, I've spent a lot of time where you guys reside. I've done a lot of touring in Canada with the reason, even back to when they were called sewing with Nancy, when they lived in Windsor, I've known those guys oh, wow. forever. Uh, the thing that I've always noticed about Canadian bands and I've gotten to be friends with a lot of Canadian bands, like the Alexis guys and choke oh, yeah. and all these different bands that, Everybody that I like am friends with and that I listen to from that area, it seems like they do wear their influences on their sleeves and you can't really pigeonhole them. Do you think that has something to do with where you come from or how you're you're raised in the music that you listen to? That's a good question. I think there's I think there are some, you know, geographical um conditions that go into making sounds and certain uh, places, uh, you know, a lot of the bands that I've talked to from around here have a similar story to what, to us. And, and, uh, they they do have that old saying, uh, in England from the late sixties about English guitar players. And they said that rainy cities make good guitar players. And I think, um, the same is true for any instrument in a place where it's really, really cold, uh, for a, like, basically it's like living on Pluto for a third of the year. It's really, yeah. really brutal you know so i mean bands that we love like the replacements and um husker do like that's they they had the same sentiments that the, the only thing you can do in the winter is go down into the basement or wherever your equipment is and just make music and or play other people's songs but either way you're playing music so i think that that you know that those forced conditions um uh make you uh, do make you just stay music musically active uh, a lot of the year in a way that uh, uh, maybe other places don't have. So I think there is something to be said about um, 
uh, living in places with shitty weather and playing music. I think it's very hospitable towards that. I'm not sure if that's a complete answer to your question, but oh no, I, I mean I think it does, and and I totally agree. Growing up in Muncie, Indiana, which I'm only maybe seven and a half, eight hours away from you. It's the same here. It's pretty brutal all winter. And all we used to do yeah. is play music, you know? Yeah. So. It's grim. <laughs> it's grim. Yes. Well, the, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about, I love the new single doom boy. The video is amazing. I wanted to talk about this like kind of cool promo thing you guys did, which makes a lot of sense. Cameo, this new website where you can have, you know, celebrities give shout outs and whatever you guys got a lot of cool people to watch the video and talk about the band. I mean, the best one was Mark McGrath. You mentioned Sugar Ray earlier and, uh, you know, Cisco was on there and David Hasselhoff. Was that your manager's idea? Like who came up with that? Cause it's a brilliant promotional thing to do. That was our, that was our brilliant manager, uh, manager's idea. But, um, it's, uh, it's one of those ideas that, uh, I mean, I just, I couldn't believe that nobody had done it before. Yeah. And I, I think all of us were kind of, I guess it is a relatively new platform. So um, it's only been explored in a limited way in terms of its utility to artists. But um, yeah, I mean, we didn't, it, it, uh, it turns out it, it doesn't take a whole lot of money to have a lot of fun on that, on that app. Yeah. Um, we ended up spending about a thousand dollars, which is like, you which know, is probably not like less than a normal promotional budget. So. Yeah. It's like, it's like you can you could spend you could spend that same amount of money doing Facebook ads or whatever, trying to hire a publicist to do, um, you know, specialty advertising campaigns. And obviously, we still do that kind of stuff. Um, but um, it was a it was a super it was a super fun uh, week when we were kind of posting things and getting people like the actual public's reaction. I was, to be honest with you, I was, a, I was, I was very surprised by how successful it was and how much attention it garnered. And, um, you know, we made, we, uh, as I said, we have an appreciation for the sugar Ray. Uh, and so it was, uh, it was nice to, uh, to, um, uh, kind of link up with Mark McGrath in, yeah. in, in capacity. Um, and it was really funny. My favorite one though was, was when Gilbert Gottfried said, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that they should bring this video to Guantanamo Bay and replace waterboarding with watching this video. <laughs> um, but, um, Gilbert Gottfried is a hero of mine. So that was, that was a good one. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, right now is it, just, it's a very, obviously it's a weird time. It's a very strange time to, to be anything but it's a very strange time to be an artist or a musician or whatever and um you know i hear a lot of people just online um really pull like just just trumpeting how much they're bummed about what we can't do which is obvious you can't play shows it sucks but you know really that's just i just you gotta focus on what you can do and there's a lot that you can do and you just have to have some imagination and a little bit of discipline to, to make sure that it gets done. But I mean, that's just our attitude right now. Like we have a lot of friends that are like, you know, we're going to sit on our record. We're going to sit on our record until things are good again. And I'm like, it's not going to be good for a long time. You might, you might be sitting on that record for the next three years, yeah, you know, get fucking comfy. So, um, no, we're like, you know what? We're putting out our new, our album on new year's Eve and, uh, we're not stopping anything. Um, we're just, you know, you got to adapt to the circumstances that you're faced with. 
um, sitting low in the hole for an extended period of time has never done anybody any good. So, you know, I'm just saying this to encourage anybody to, you know, use this time and, 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 uh, try and be creative with, um, the new landscape because there, there is lots you can do if you put your head to it and it's a good reaction and a good, it's a good, um, alternative to falling into despair about the current circumstances. Now it's, it's cool that we're talking about, you know, the pandemic and everything now, cause I normally start off the interview by asking like how it's affected you. So I guess we could kind of transition into that. You know, you're talking about the things that you can do, the things that you can't do. Did you guys have a lot of plans that this kind of squashed when it happened? Like how has the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything, how has it affected the band maybe in your personal life and the business of the band? Well, I mean, we were, we were, had drums and bass tracked and then our producer had to fly back to Seattle. So that affected us for sure. Like we were faced with the option of, well, here's your options. Um, You can either stop the record and we'll put this on pause until whenever we can do it again. Um, Or uh, the city of Toronto is shutting down in two days. So you can finish all the guitars here in two days, which last time we did them in a week and, but you can do them all in two days and then we'll figure out how to do the vocals and then send that all to John Goodmanson, our producer in Seattle, and he can produce from Seattle and um, we'll figure it out. I don't know how it's going to go, but we'll figure it out. So option A or option B, and obviously we're going to go with option B because everybody who's ever made an album knows how crucial momentum is. Like we've been working on this material for a year, over a year. So it was, we needed to lay it down while it was hot. Like there was no, I don't care if I have to record it into a yak back or, uh, or, uh, you know, uh, I, I was going to, we were going to get it done. Um, so John had to, he had to catch the last flight out of Toronto into Seattle. And we had two days before the whole city shut down and I got the guitars done, just me and the engineer in two days. And then we went back to Hamilton. I had my, my arm seized, like my fretting arm seized for like a week. Like it was just so tight from, from, from playing for just 15 hours, two days straight and like concentrating on trying to map everything out. And, you know, it's, um, it was, it was, it was, it was one of those, the wildest, most extreme musical experience I've ever had personally. Uh, uh, and Darren, shout out to Darren McGill, the engineer, him and I were basically, we would spend two hours on a song and then drink a coffee and then go, go right into the next one. And, uh, we survived on pizza pockets and, and cups of, or pots of black coffee until the whole thing was done. Um, and then we did our vo- the vocals just remotely and sent them to John and, and uh, so we got the record done. So to answer your question, you know, the rec- the this whole thing definitely struck us at a really crucial time while we were recording. But um, again, we just uh, we, we we just kept moving forward. And uh, in terms of shows, yeah, we had a lot of great shows lined up. But um, um, this year was going to be a bit of a lighter year in terms of large scale touring because we were, you know, gearing up for an album cycle. So it didn't. It didn't, you know, other bands that affected worse, which, you know, my heart really goes out to them. I, uh, that's, that's a dinger. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, we have such a solid team as a band uh, and our management and our, our agents and our, our, um, our extended um, uh, 
circle that it didn't really, I, we've, we've been a little bit more insulated from this whole thing than other people. I think it's just because we're uh, really active with trying to um, uh, just get around the circumstances. So uh, the, the new single, I've been listening to it quite a bit, Doom Boy, the video is hilarious. We've already talked about the whole cameo thing where Mark McGrath basically has a reaction video to your video. It was pretty great. Um, my favorite lyric in that song is the whole listening to listen to Slayer in the in the back of my Dodge Caravan. Now, I've I've watched a couple interviews with you and I've read some stuff and you actually toured in your mom's Dodge Caravan, correct? Indeed, indeed, we did. Can, can yes. you can you take me through that? We my first tour, my first tour ever. We actually toured in my grandmother's uh, Oldsmobile Silhouette. So I kind of have the same experience as you. Can you take me through how that worked for you guys? Well, I think touring around in your parents' car or whatever is a bit of a rite of passage or a family member's uh, automobile. But um, yeah, we did our first big U.S. tour, like six weeks in in a Dodge Caravan. And we had, you know, full uh, oversized cabinets and a drum kit and our guitars and uh, everything. And then just three seats and the whole, th all our merch packed in and we did six weeks in the States. So um, I have a very, uh, a debt of gratitude to the Dodge Caravan. And so that, that song's a bit of a love letter to the Dodge Caravan. That's awesome. Wasn't there, when you guys did that cameo thing, wasn't it like the drummer from Slayer or something too? Yeah. Well, I, it was, uh, Gary Holt did it, who replaced Hanneman. And, uh, I'm trying to remember the drummer's name. He's know, like a new, a new guy. It's, it's like the guy that took over for the other. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. yeah. One of the more recent guys, but, um, yeah, yeah. This the Slayer guys were the kind of the funnier ones because they clearly didn't watch it or anything, which made it very even funnier for me. They're just like, they're just like they like, hey, uh, uh, Doom Boy, uh, sounds good. Okay, I'll see you later. Like, uh, <laughs> but um, the Mark McGrath one was really good, and the um, Perez Hilton shitting all over it was really good. Um, I, I, for some, some reason I, I liked the negative ones better, but, um, <laughs> how did you guys, uh, you know, not to go back to this completely, but who like made up the list of people that you wanted to hit up on cameo? Well, our manager Parkside kind of got a, a like a few, a few people together. I think Mark McGrath was one of the first one that, for, that, that we reached out to, but, uh, from there went to Cisco and we kind of have just, as I said, this, a little bit of a sarcastic, but also, a sincere appreciation for some kind of uh, for some late nineties, early two thousands celebrities that are perhaps not at the height of their, of their star stardom these days anymore. So we kind of went through those Perez uh, Perez Hilton. And uh, we also went with some, like some, some more recent reality TV show stars like that Barnett guy from love is blind. Yeah. Uh, the cultural phenomenon earlier this year. Um, we were going to get Carol Baskin from Tiger King, but uh, she's too expensive. She's more expensive than David Hasselhoff. So he said, you know, we're not doing that. Dude, my, my only experience with, with cameo is, uh, have you ever heard of a guy's an R and B singer named Alan stone? No, he, well, my wife loves him. I love him. My kids love him. He was on American idol as like a, like a, 
a coach or whatever. And he was on there one day and I'm like, oh, $15, I'm going to get this for my wife's birthday. And so I ordered it and then I got an email back that said they raised the prices to 100 So I did it anyway because I wanted to do it. But then three months later, I went and saw his show and he was on the podcast in person. So I wasted $100. I didn't know if he'd be on the show, but he was. So I I wasted my money. But uh, yeah, the funniest one that I saw is, uh, have you ever seen the Instagram account Catatonic Youths? I have, yes. There's a, which is one of my favorite Instagram accounts, but there's one of... um, there's one of a $400 Vince Neil cameo <laughs> and he is so hammered and is just like making no sense. Uh, he's trying to wish this guy a happy birthday. And it's, uh, he's like, shout out the devil and a uh, big old four Oh, see you man. And then just turns <laughs> off. The, it's one of the, it's, uh, it's the perfect cameo. You should ch- check that one out. W- would you consider doing that? I mean, you guys have some success, you know, you're you're getting to be a bigger band. A lot of people like you and like the band. Would you ever consider doing like a cameo thing? It's funny. We've had a bunch of requests for people that like to for us to do cameos. It's it's definitely something that's not off the table for us. Because uh, I know like Rody, my buddy Rody from Protest the Heroes, doing it now, and there's a bunch of people that are doing it. Like when it first happened, I thought it was really weird, and now like all my friends are doing it. Like no one wants me to do it, of course, but my friends are doing it. <laughs> I would want them to. I'll send you a video after this of <laughs> happy birthday or whatever. Hell yeah. I, 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 I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're, we are, um, I used to be very um, anti-technology and all that. Like I just, but about like right around when we were doing master volume and getting ready to promote it, I started kind of experimenting with using it in ways that I liked um, and I'm making like tone tip videos and uh, these really sarcastic kind of uh, destructive videos on how to uh, uh, get a better sound out of your guitar that are all very, you know, as I said, they're, they're 60 seconds and destruction oriented and uh, (laughs) good for a good little cheap laugh. And seeing that that was going well, really opened my eyes to, to the possibilities of how you can use, um, all of these new technologies um, in a voice that you feel good about uh, and that you don't feel like you're prostituting yourself out. Like you feel like you're actually making something that's funny and that's, um, that's, uh, that feels good to do, you know, in, in, the, in the basic sense of the word. So, I mean, all that to say is, yeah, I think we were certain, we're certainly open to, uh, to, uh, to the cameo idea. Well, I mean, in this day and age, I, I think it's a really cool way to connect with people that you, you know, you're inspired by and that, that you really like their work. And like, if you make it fun and you put your personality into it and you're not like just whoring yourself out, like you said, yeah. I mean, like Dustin Kinsrew from thrice, he's on there now. And his are these like, so thoughtful, nice, like responses to all these people. And I just, I think you can do it a right way and a wrong way, you know? I agree. I agree. If you're, if you're just taking people's money and running, um, then you're an asshole. But, yeah. uh, there's a, there's a really funny one from, uh, we, when we were doing this cameo thing, we kind of got, saw all these kind of best case and worst case ones, uh, just from YouTube. But there's a one, remember that guy, Sean Kingston? I do. Yeah. <laughs> so Sean Kingston, uh, did one. This guy was asking Sean Kingston to, um, proposed to his girlfriend for him. And so Sean Kingston accepted the money, which was like a few hundred bucks and then sent this guy back a video 
while he, I think he was sitting on the toilet explaining to this guy that I'm going to need more money if you want me to propose to your girl. Like, uh, I, I don't think he knew how to use the app totally, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, it was very funny. So all that to say is, uh, if you're, if you're providing a service, um, that both parties feel good about, then I, I think it's a very positive thing. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to get out of this call without actually speaking about the new record, which you're talking about that's coming out on, on new year's. It's called fuck art. Indeed. which uh, I love the title and I, I think, you know, it's very provocative and it, it grabs your attention. Um, are, is there any worry about that? Not, I mean, I know there's not really record stores anymore, so it doesn't really matter what you, if you name it something that might not be able to be on a shelf, but in Canada, is there that kind of censorship? Cause in the States, if in, you know, a few years back, if you named your record, fuck art, they would put a big sticker over the fuck and, like, do you guys have any thoughts about that or any worries about that? You know, we've kind of considered things like that before, but I think there's such a, like, a, um, um, I, a, 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 an absolute um, kamikaze grinning attitude that our band has about everything that we do that everything that we do is a gamble because what I realized early on in rock and roll is that um, playing it safe gets you nowhere. Like you just, you, you, uh, you just, yeah, it's, it's, you got to try and be as authentic to, to yourself as possible. And that was the, that was the title that excited all of us at our manager and even our, our accountant, we told him and he was like, that's hilarious. You guys should do that. He's the guy that watches our numbers. Uh, <laughs> the most conservative members of our team, including our, you know, our radio uh, publicists, um, they, even they were like, that's great. I mean, they're like thinking about angles that they could work with it. And I'm like, that's great. Like, I mean, if you guys think you could, it's got legs and we're down, I mean, we're a team, we all talk about everything, but we all signed off and spit on each other's hands and shook hands and said, we're doing it. Um, and so when it comes to commercial limitations, I don't really have that kind of consideration myself uh, because I think that um, I know where it's coming from for us because it's, it's the reason why we call it that, or one of them is because even though it sounds nihilistic and very pessimistic when taken at face value, you can't say it without smiling. Even my grandma can't say it without smiling. It's it's a there's a lot of optimism and uh, jubilation in that title, and that's why we 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 used it because it's funny and it's amusing and it's somewhat vague, um, and it's also somewhat sincere. You know, it's there's uh, there's some elements of like of um, people trying to be too cool for school that we're kind of subtly addressing there, and um, it's uh, it's the ultimate. Um, I don't, I, you know, I, at the risk of sounding a little bit arrogant, I think that there's some bands that definitely couldn't pull it off, but I, I think that we can. Were there many other like options that almost beat that out? No, it was just fuck art. It was just fuck art from the beginning. That's yeah, pretty awesome. I, decided, I remember we were in, cause I started taking painting lessons, um, at the beginning of this year with my mom and my sister, uh, and, uh, this little community college 
thing. And uh, we're all kind of just painting. It's, it's a very older crowd who was doing the rest of like, who was, who was with us in this room. And we had a very nice, very patient instructor. And I always had this myth in my mind that once you hit like 70 years old, you're going to have this wisdom and that, you, you know, you, you kind of stop complaining and, um, you kind of got life figured out a bit more. And those illusions were shattered by this class. Uh, there was a lot of whiners and they were all old dudes. And uh, one of these whiny old dudes was, was just constantly piping up saying, my painting doesn't look like that. And I can't get my flowers to look that way. And the instructors being very patient and saying, you know, it's, you know, you, it's your painting. You're just, you're getting used to it. You're just learning how to do it. Just be patient. It's all good. And then he just, his hand would shoot up. He's like, I got a bristle stuck in my page. And then she'd say, okay, we'll just finish. And then you can take it out. And then finally we hear this guy and he his his brush drops very audibly. Cause there's no, it's silent in this room. And he just says, fuck art. <laughs> and I said, that's hilarious. And I told, uh, to the boys when we were playing one of our only shows this year, I told it to them and everybody laughed hysterically and got this absolute crazy look in their eyes, was looking at each other. And we're just like, that's the title. There's no, there's no B. Could no you, plan. could you find that guy through that community center or whatever? And like, give him some sort of credit for naming the record. <laughs> I would, I would want to, but I, I I'm just going to hazard a guess that he's going to want to remain anonymous on that. Probably. One. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, wherever he is, thank you. Well, you mentioned, you know, you're doing this class with your mom and your sister. I'm always interested, you know, my, my life and the success that I've had, I've been in a bunch of bands and done a lot of touring, all kinds of stuff. And my parents were always very, very supportive from day one, but I know it's not always like that for everybody, you know, in your journey that you've been on in this band and even before this band getting into music and maybe wanting it to be your living and your passion. How were your parents like when you were growing up and even into now, like how do they, what do they think about what you're doing? Oh, they couldn't have, they couldn't have been better. And they, they, they're still amazing. You know, they're, uh, my parents drove me to guitar lessons when I was 12. And, um, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, they, they lent us the van to go on our first tour. And my parents are both criminal defense or criminal prosecutors. Wow. And so they couldn't be more, um, you know, from a more divergent uh, path than me. None of them are particularly into the arts or themselves. You know, they appreciate, they listened to a lot of great music when I was listening, growing up. Um, but uh, they never pursued anything like that themselves. But I think my parents very quickly early on realized um, that I wasn't going to be able to work a, a regular job. Yeah, you know, I got a, I got a, I went to university and I got a degree, a psychology degree, but I was never going to be a, a willing member of the workforce unless I was doing my own thing. Um, I'm, I think in my, in, in our, in our, in our band, I've been the most fortunate that way in terms of support. I think the other guys have had, some more skepticism in the early years, which is totally valid. It's just like, what, like, you know, what are you doing? You know, everybody else is going to doing this and doing that. And you're tooting around with your buddies in a van in Arkansas. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but, um, you know, uh, with, you know, everything that's happened and the um, success that we've kind of very um, luckily had to this point uh, has kind of quelled those doubts and questions. And, 
you know, everybody in our little town's really proud of us. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot of um, I think there's a lot of people in our town that don't understand it because there's a lot of profanity and absurdity and uh, sheer volume. Uh, but um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pride from our from our uh, from our little town. I mean, I saw our um, my grade three teacher or grade four teacher the other day, and she was just like. I really, I'm really looking forward to your new album, Fuck Art. And I'm like, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Mrs. Hutchinson. It's great to see you again. Like, that's so, awesome, man. I don't know, life's great. Well, I tell you that that talent. Do you actually live in Hamilton or Dundas? Where do you live? Well, I live in Hamilton right now, but we're all from Dundas, which is if I could, it's it's a little suburb of Hamilton. Yeah. I, if I could equate it to anything, it's like the you know, it's like the Shire for people that don't know from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, when I when I used to tour with the Reason. Uh, we'd always do like West Coast stuff and East Coast stuff out to the Maritimes. We'd always have some weeks off in Hamilton or in Dundas. I can't remember which yeah. at uh, James Nealon's house. You know, James Cubby? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I would stay at Cubby's and Cubby would go to work on the days we weren't on the road. And I would sit there and hang out with his dad, Mr. Nealon, rest in peace. He just passed recently. And, uh, he would make me food on the grill, like bison burgers, and we'd drink beer and hang out all day. And then Cubby would come back from work. And it was, I have some of my best memories right where you live, man. I love that. Oh, that's great to hear. Going to Pizza Pizza all the time and nice. <laughs> just doing all that stuff, man. So yeah. it, when I, when I was looking online, cause I knew you were from that area, but when I saw where you guys actually were, I'm like, oh man, that's like my second home back in the day. So yeah, well, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you have fond memories, uh, in our little neck of the woods. Yeah, it's it's a cool place. Okay, so I've had you on the line for a while. I do have some listener questions. I always put things up on social media, and then they ask the questions, if you wouldn't mind answering those. Love to. Okay, so Zach from New York wants to know what your favorite live rig is when you're playing live, like amp setup, stuff like that. Well, I've had the exact same rig for about eight years now, um, and it's uh, I got a... Few, I got a couple different uh, Les Paul customs. I got one from 1975, a white one. That's my favorite one. Um, and then I got a black one that's a bit newer. And then uh, I have two Marshall Super Lead heads. Uh, and I use a Marshall 8x10 cab from the early 70s. And my pedal board is just, uh, uh, I have two Proco Rats and a tuner. That's it. And one is... One is on all the time, and then I kick the second one on top to get louder. That's it. That's, that's all I've used in a, in a very long time. What is uh, your guitar collection like? Because my I've pared mine down to about 14, and my wife still thinks it's too many. So what's yours like, man? It's not – I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, uh, it's absurd at times when I see it, but, um, you know, mo- all the stuff I have, I definitely use. I mean, I got I – got, I think I have – I got six Les Pauls, but I mean, I got, I got two customs, a standard a special, and then I got two different juniors. Um, so I use them all. Um, and then I got some kind of like, I got a, I got a 335 that I really like. And, um, I got a 71 Dan Armstrong, one of those plexiglass guitars. And, um, yeah. And then that's pretty much all I really use. I mean, I have a couple other guitars that I used to use in the earlier days of the band that I'll whip out in the studio. Like I got a Rickenbacker that I used to play early on in the band and, um, a flying V, which is a nice guitar, um, nice and resonant, but, um, 
And then I only have one acoustic, but I play it all the time. Uh, I got J two hundred. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 quite a few guitars, but I definitely play all of them. I, I've had a few guitars that I've sold off, but I usually buy expensive guitars and then I play them a lot. You know, I don't. I don't. I'm 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 cursed with expensive tastes. Uh, Me too. <laughs> All of my heroes used Les Paul customs. And I was like, well, that's what I'm going to play, you know? Mick Ronson, James Williamson, um, you know, all my boys played Les Paul customs. So I had to have one and now I have two. See, I'm, so I've, I've always been a Les Paul guy too. And I don't know how you feel about this, but back when I was playing with the Ataris, I actually started playing ESP stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's pretty much the same body shape. It's lighter. It played a lot quicker for me. I did a lot of the lead stuff. Are you a fan of like the Eclipse model or, or are you just strictly a Gibson guy? You know, I've never tried it, but I think that my my indoctrination into rock and roll um, as a kid and just looking at photos and, you know, as part of the first YouTube generation of seeing bands play and watching you know the stooges play and david bowie play like i just got fatally attracted to like one thing and when i was 12 and i just i I, it's still really solid that you know i've had very luckily a bunch of people approach me about trying to make me a guitar to my exact specs and to me it's just like i don't know i'm pretty i'm pretty happy over here with these things and gibson's taking care of us so yeah um i've kind of just stayed with them That's cool, man. Well, Zach, thank you so much for your question. I have one more listener question. Danny from Alberta says, uh, can you tell me about your experience taking guitar lessons from Mike of the Killjoys? Yes, I would love to. So um, Mike, my guitar teacher, still is my guitar teacher, actually. Um, Though my lessons with him have become less frequent as, um, you know, usually we're on tour, but I'll, I'll always pop in for a lesson. Um, when we're home, um, he actually lives one street over from me right now. So I see him, um, I'm, I take painting lessons off of his partner, but, um, Mike started teaching me guitar when I was 12 years old. And I think the Killjoys had just maybe stopped performing or was kind of slowing down around that point. And, uh, I brought in my Squire Strat and uh, he's like, what do you want to learn? And I'm like, I want to learn how to play. He's like, do you want to learn more like jazz and scales you want to learn how to play nirvana and i'm like nirvana 100 nirvana so <laughs> yeah. he's like the first thing you're going to want to learn you're going to want to learn how to use a pick because i was using my thumb yeah like i was like i was just you know i didn't have any i didn't we didn't even have the internet so i didn't i couldn't see anything i just had this guitar that i got which was the all the world to be and i would play with my thumb uh, and I would hit the distortion knob on the uh, on the amp and just hit the open E and just sit there and let it feedback with my eyes closed. <laughs> and so Mike instilled in me, you should probably learn how to use a pick. And um, yeah, Mike taught me literally everything that I knew for the first few years that I played guitar and really got me going. And then when I started kind of writing music, I would show it to him and he was super, super encouraging. And um uh, I still take lessons off him. I right now I take um, I haven't had one in a little while, but um, he's teaching me how to play like fingerstyle on an acoustic, like uh, old Dave Van Ronk songs and um, uh, some some jazzier stuff straight up. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I I just believe I I love guitar and I never want to stop learning. It's it's the kind of thing where if you feel like you're in a rut, like you just got to keep learning. You got to learn some new stuff. You just and you'll come back to the stuff that you'll know with fresh ears. But you know, it's it's really easy with guitar to just like sit there and play the same songs. And if that's works for you, that's great. But it's always good to push yourself into an uncomfortable territory and try and learn something that you don't know, even if it's a bitch to learn. But um, it always rewards you. So, I mean, I only say that because that's kind of been my uh, relationship with with Mike. Like every time I feel pretty confident on the guitar, I'll go take a lesson from Mike and I'll be humbled the same way I was when I was 12 years old. And it's a good feeling, you know, to, to be a lifelong student. Uh, have you ever experienced, you know, I, I teach guitar for a living. That's what I do now professionally. And what I've realized is there were like Metallica songs or Iron Maiden songs that I tried to learn when I was 15 and I haven't touched since then. And now I've gone back because some kid maybe wants to learn a riff and now I can play him right. Yeah. <laughs> have, yeah. You, have you had that experience? For sure. I mean, like, you know, trying to, I think really, um, Mike got me really started on the road of like, of, of learning how to um, play by ear and to li like, that's how he, would teach me songs. Like I would bring in a song on a CD. I would bring in, you know, um, the blue album. I would be like, I need, can you teach me how to play uh, no one else or whatever? And he would just, he's, he, he's like, I know this song, but I need to kind of pick it up. I'm not, I don't know how to play it, but I need to. So watching him kind of learn how to play that stuff just by ear and then pause and then go back and then play a section of it and then teach it to me. That really, helped me to train my ear um towards trying to pick things up which i think is a really good way to learn guitar um and just any kind of instrument is to is to just is to learn it by ear but some of the things that i really wanted to learn when i was a kid that i just like i could not play was was like um yeah definitely a lot of metallica stuff like you just you gotta have a pretty commanding right hand yeah play stuff like Hetfield like even if no one can play like James Hetfield he's one of the best guitar players of all time super underrated I would say oh yeah as a as a he's one of the tightest fastest it's it's, it's all downstroke man it's crazy yeah. like Master of Puppets the verse part in Master of Puppets that's not alternate that's yeah. all down man it's madness like if you listen to those listening to those parts with fresh ears as as um um, you know, when I, when I first got into Metallica, I was just, it was Black Album and St. Anger had just come out. So there was kind of like a, a hesitant relationship that the public had with Metallica. And I never really listened to the older stuff until the last 10 years or so, because um, I just never really quite got around to doing it. So really getting into that, like Kill 'Em All stuff and um, Ride the Lightning stuff in particular is my favorite one by them. But the, um, you listen to those tracks like on... Uh, actual song ride the lightning and it's just the tightest most methodical it's really it's just really hard to play that fast and be that percussive and yeah. that's a true skill and there's that great video of him playing at guitar center where he's just kind of talking about guitar and how he got in and i've seen it like 10 times it's just it's a great watch if you're at all interested in playing fast and seeing the 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 master of 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 the right hand uh he's uh he can play, you know, it's, it's like taking punk music, like, um, the misfits or the Ramones and applying, you know, chromatic riffs to it. It's just, it's just, 
beautiful, awesome, deadly guitar playing. Awesome, um, man. Yeah, Metallica. I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. Going back and learning some Metallica. Yeah, so Danny, thank you so much for your question. I'm glad it went on a tangent. That was fun. But uh, I've had you on the line for a while, and I don't want to take up any of your time. I know you're a busy guy. Can you tell me, you know, with the pandemic and everything that is going on, some people don't have an answer to this, but other than the record that is coming out, Fuck Art, on New Year's Eve, uh, do you have any other plans? Is that you guys going to do like some live streaming? Like what's, what's going to be going on with the band in the future? Right now we have a, a tour called the dancing to thrash tour, which uh, begins October 13th, I believe. And it's a tour where it's a, it's a live stream tour where we've partnered up with some of our favorite venues across the United States and uh, are, are splitting uh, the profits with them um, to try and keep them afloat because we, we really value those places. You know, just like you were saying about some of the best times of your life you've had down here. Same goes for us with those, uh, these great places across the States. And uh, we want to do our bit to try and, um, to try and uh, help contribute to their survival. Um, and so we filmed 15 different shows catered to each one of those cities where we heard kind of requests of songs they wanted to hear. And we did it all with a green screen, pro shot, pro audio. Um, so it's kind of going to be a mixture of Tim and Eric and uh, <laughs> a proper rock and roll show. It's going to be very absurd, very nil, but uh, very loud and wild and raw. Uh, so we've got that tour coming up in, uh, in October and you can visit any of our socials for that information. And um, in turn, we, we, we've got a potential plan to do um, some other kind of more adventurous shows around the release of the album, but we're still kind of working on those logistics. As you know, as everyone knows, this is an evolving situation, so it's, it's tough to make concrete plans too far out. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, just um, exploring new zany ideas of promotion and getting this stuff out there. We've got... Uh, We've got a bunch more tricks up our sleeve before this album comes out and after as well. Awesome, man. Well, I just I want to let everybody know that the first single for the new record, Doom Boy, is on YouTube, the video. It's also on all the streaming platforms. Can we expect another single anytime soon? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Can you tell us when? <laughs> Uh, next month. Yeah. Next month. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Luke, I've had such a great time speaking with you today, man. And it's kind of nice to talk to somebody from one of my favorite places in the world, which you grew up there. So it might not be one of your favorite places, but I've had a blast where you guys live. Well, it's excellent to talk to you, Christopher, and I appreciate all the the awesome questions. And, uh, to everyone else that wrote in a question, I appreciate your interest in the band and, uh, we love you. We love everyone out there. We, uh, we can't wait to get back and see you for real. But uh, in the meantime, uh, come check us out on the Dancing to Thrash tour. Awesome, man. Well, I'll talk to you later and good luck and much success with everything you've got going on, man. All right. Thanks again. You too, Christopher. We'll talk to you again soon. Catch you later, man. Bye. Cheers. So there it was, my conversation with Luke Bentham from The Dirty Nil. Make sure to check out their new album, Fuck Art available on New Year's Day 2021. Uh, they've released three singles so far, and you can you can find all those on the streaming platforms. Just search for The Dirty Nil. That is N-I-L. The Dirty Nil. So that is it for this week. Thank you so much every week for showing up. A lot of you do, and I can't thank you enough for, you know, checking out this little tiny thing that I do in my little tiny studio in the back of my house. Uh, it, 
it actually kind of becomes a job. I, I wish it paid like a job, <laughs> but uh, it's a passion project. I, you know, every like Sunday, Tuesday, sometimes Saturday, sometimes Friday, I book interviews or I guess, you know, the chats. I like to call them chats because they're, they're more than just interviews. But uh, yeah, I've been doing two or three a week, just banking episodes in the computer. And I've got pretty much through the end of the year on my computer. I, I, it's, it's a nice feeling because if somebody does cancel or needs to reschedule, I, I'm not left like wondering if I'm going to be able to put out an episode. I know right now that I can do episodes until January. So uh, lots of good stuff in the coming weeks. It's a really good time to be a part of the TOTOT family, which you all are. If you're listening to this, you're a part of the family, whether you want to be or not. So uh, thank you so much once again for all the support. Make sure to sign up for the mailing list over at TOTOTpodcast.com. Check out all the limited edition merchandise. And uh, yeah, that's it. Before I jump out of here, you know what I'm going to say if you're if you're a listener to the show uh, regularly. Before I jump out of here, I'm going to play some music like I always do. I'm going to play the first single from the Dirty Nils upcoming album. I love the title fuck art and uh it is called doom boy i absolutely love this song i've been listening to it non-stop as of late and i think that you are really going to enjoy it if you're not familiar with the dirty nail this is a perfect intro to the band so thank you once again for the support i've got some cool announcements coming up in the coming weeks I, i'm working on new music and i have some uh, some good friends that have helped me lay down some tracks on the new music. And I will let you guys know that very, very soon as it materializes and I can talk a little bit more about it. But uh, if you're on Instagram, you probably saw some videos or something. You could probably put two and two together. But that's it. I'm out of here. Like I said, thanks for the support. I couldn't do it without you guys and girls. You make it all worthwhile. I love this show. I love you all. Good luck with you know everything going on right now with the election. We might know who the president is in a month. Or we might know as soon as I'm done with this. I got to go check and see. But uh, I'm out of here. Catch you next week. I'm not even going to tell you who's on the show next week. It's a good one, but I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to wait and find out. This is Chris. Peace.
Hey, this is Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX. Hey, this is Jay Bentley from Bad Religion. This is Vinny from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coheed and Cambria. This is Chris number two for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring. Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against. Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice. Hi, this is Frank Turner. Hey, this is Jim from Pennywise. Hey, this is Eric Smelly, the drummer of No Effects. Hi, this is Bill from Faith and More. Hey, this is Chris from Propagandy. Hi, this is Roy from No Use for Name. Hi, this is Ben Gillies from Silverchair. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour with Chris Swinney. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love want to love or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast. <laughs> 